nothing like a touchdown. This felt like an easy six. Defense is retreating quick. No, I got that cannon on me and receivers on a whim. Welcome, pressure was a bliss. What's up? What's up? What's up? Thank you all for tuning into another episode of Drop Balls Podcast. Your favorite podcast is favorite sports podcast. Yes, you heard me right. I said your favorite podcast is favorite sports podcast. Hope you all had a great weekend. Hope you all was able to tune in to all the great sports that we had this weekend. And hope you all had a wonderful Memorial Day. Hope it's sunny out there where you are. It's a beautiful day. It's, it's kind of cloudy out here, but I'm still going to get out here and hit some golf balls um, at the golf course. Uh, but before I go out, you know, I had to come on here and talk my stuff about the Eastern Conference Finals and give my little preview for the um, the NBA Finals. But before we get into all that, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So before we get into that, let's do a little housekeeping. Um, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go leave your boy that five-star rating. We're trying to get some more eyes and ears on Drop Balls Podcast. So please be sure to leave your boy a five-star rating as well as a comment. Let me know what you like, what you dislike about the show. Um, as well as if you listen on Spotify, they have a ranking system now. So please be sure to leave your boy a five-star rating on there as well. And no matter where you're listening at, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, wherever, please be sure to share the podcast with your friends, your family, anybody you know that loves sports just as much as you and I do. So please be sure to share the podcast. And if you're on Twitter, be sure to follow your boy at DropBallsPod on Twitter. The link is in the description. I do follow back and I have a good old time on Twitter. Come by, talk some talk some trash, you know, do, do all of that. We, we have a good time on Twitter. Um, so please, please be sure to follow your boy there. But before we get into the, you know, the NBA stuff, let's talk about the fight that we had this weekend. Um, Saturday pay-per-view on Showtime, Raleigh Romero versus Javante or Javante (laughs) Tank Davis. Um, let's talk about it, man. It, it, It was a fight that really nobody wanted, but that turned out to be a pretty good fight up into that six round KO by Tank. Um, and you know, Raleigh talks a lot of shit. He's been talking hella cash for the past two years about how he's going to knock Tank out, how he's going to do this, he's going to do that. Um, and for the most part, he backed it up. Like, he 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 put up a really good fight up into the sixth round. Um, and I actually had him up on the scorecards, right? I At first, I had him, I think, winning four out of the five rounds. Um, I, had, I had him up 4-1 on the scorecard before that sixth round. And I saw a lot of... I saw a lot of people that said that, you know, I saw somebody say that Tank was winning. I've seen the judges' scorecards where they said Tank was winning. Like, there was one scorecard. There was two out of the three judges had Tank winning, and that's kind of crazy to me. Um, but one judge had him 49-46. Another judge had it 48-47 for Tank. And then the third judge had it 48-47 for, for Raleigh. Um, I don't think... 49 46 is right. I mean, I could see 48 47 for for Tank, but 49 46 I think is kind of wild. Um I could give Raleigh 3 rounds and give Tank 2. I I still think Raleigh was beating him and controlling the fight for the most part. Um but Raleigh messed up in that 6th round and he got caught. Uh he came in with a with a right hook that he thought that he hit Tank, but from when I watched the replay, it looked like it just swiped Tank's gloves. And so Raleigh thought he had Tank hurt, and then he came in, threw a little jab, then tried to throw a right hook to the body of Tank. And right when he did that, Tank came across with that left hook because he caught Raleigh leaning, and he came in with that left hook, 
moved his head offline from that left that Raleigh was throwing and popped him and sent Raleigh right into the right into the ropes. And now if those ropes weren't there, Raleigh would have fell straight on his face outside the ring. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people were saying that it was a bad stoppage. I think that was a great stoppage by the ref because you could definitely see Raleigh, Raleigh was out of it. When he stood back up, um, you could definitely see Raleigh was out of it. You saw his legs shaking like a baby giraffe learning how to walk. Um, and he pretty much couldn't really understand what the ref was telling him to do. Like it, it looked like the ref was telling him to do one thing and Raleigh couldn't really comprehend what was going on. So, you know, it was, I think it was a great stoppage and I understand, you know, these boxes are warriors and they want to go out on their shield and, and all of that. And I get it. But somebody has to be there to protect him from himself. Um, his corner wasn't going to do it, it didn't look like. So the ref had to step in, and he made a judgment call, and I think it was the right call. Because I think the in the state that Raleigh was in, I think he could have got seriously hurt had the ref continued to let him to fight or let him fight. I think he could have got seriously hurt. So I think that was a great call by the ref. Um, he called the fight, and it was over. And now Raleigh got on there talking about he won all six rounds. I think that is delusional. And he was probably still recovering from that, you know, that knockout. But uh, but that was delusional. He's talking about he wants a rematch. And I don't I don't think Tank gives him a rematch. I think it's time for Tank to move on um, and, and go to bigger, better fights. And this was his last fight with I, I believe this was his last fight with Mayweather Promotions. So now Tank is 27, I believe. So now where does he go from here, right? Like, where, wh what does he do next? Who's the next opponent? He called out Ryan Garcia. I think that would be a great opponent for him. Ryan Garcia fights Javier Fortuna on the 16th of July. And he was supposed to fight him last year in July, but, of course, he had backed out because of uh, to take care of his mental health. And then he was supposed to fight Jojo Diaz later on in the year, but he ended up getting hurt. So now he's been a little bit more active this year. Um, after that fight, I forget who he fought earlier this year, but now he has the fight with, with Fortuna here in July. So maybe Tank makes that fight with him for December. And we, we see the Ryan Garcia versus Tank Davis fight finally in December. They both step up a level of competition. I think um, I think Ryan Garcia I think Ryan Garcia is a step up for Tank. And I also think Tank is a step up for Ryan Garcia. I think that's I think those are you know, too good for, or a, a good fight for us to see. Um, I would also like to see maybe Tank get in the ring with Lomachenko um, at one thirty. You know, both of them at one thirty-five, of course. Um, both of these fights at one thirty-five, of course. But Lomachenko and Tank, or Ryan Garcia and Tank, or why not? Um, who who else do I think Tank needs to fight? Or why not a Tiafimo Lopez? Um, we haven't really heard or seen anything from Tiafimo since he lost his belts to George Cambosas, um, who is set to fight Devin Haney to, for the undisputed championship at 135. Um, so why not fight a Teofimo Lopez? So I think those are three really good fights for Tank. Teofimo Lopez, um, Ryan Garcia, or uh, Lomachenko, Vasily Lomachenko. I think those are three really good fights for Tank. And I think the winner of those fights, so like let's say Tank fights uh, – Ryan Garcia, he beats Ryan Garcia. The winner of that fight, I believe, should go fight the champion, whether that be Devin Haney or whether that be um, George Cambosas after they fight, you know, this year. Um, I think that would be a big fight. 
Uh, Tank, he is right now the WBA regular champion. So Showtime loves to push him as this world champion. Tank doesn't really have, in my opinion, he doesn't have a real belt. The WBA regular champion, in my opinion, is not a real belt. A real belt. Boxing, I believe, is watered down with all these fake champions, these fake belts. He doesn't have a real belt that would put him in that undisputed conversation. Or, like, if he was to go fight, you know, like, it's just not a real belt. I'm sorry. I can't really explain it. It's just not a real belt, in my opinion. So, I think that the winner between him and Ryan Garcia or him and Vasily Lomachenko, um, or even, well, not Tiafima Lopez anymore. But, well, I mean, maybe even Tiafima Lopez. And maybe if Tio still wants to fight at 135, maybe Tio moves up. I don't know. But, um... For sure, with Lomachenko or with Ryan Garcia, if Tank wins, then he goes and he fights the winner between George Cambosas and Devin Haney. Devin Haney. Um, I think that would be a super fight, and we would finally get the fights that we want to see in boxing. Um, we've been waiting for Tank to fight a good opponent, like a real opponent. I think Romero was a step in the right direction. Now, and the only reason I say that is because we got a really good fight out of the Romero in a tank fight. So I think that's why it was a step in the right direction. And now I think tank needs to go fight and move towards those championship belts. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I don't, you know, I don't know where Raleigh goes from here. I think, you know, he's still, um, he's still a contender and maybe shit, maybe, you know, after tank fights, Ryan Garcia, or maybe after Garcia fights for tuna, then maybe you have a Raleigh and Ryan Garcia match. I don't I don't know. But um, you know, Raleigh Raleigh has proven he can be in there with the big names, I believe. Um he just has to clean up some things. He can't get over anxious. Like I said, he was being he was he was fighting a really good fight to start the fight, um, those first five rounds, but then the six he just got over anxious and like I said, he got caught with one. And one punch can change it all, man. One punch can change the whole landscape of things. So um, I think Raleigh should definitely continue and continue that pursuit of, you know, winning a belt, you know, winning a championship, being a, a championship boxer. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but anyway, let's let's get into this NBA, man. Let's let's move on. So we just had the Eastern Conference Finals, Miami Heat, Boston Celtics went to game seven. Um there was three. I mean, every time Miami lost, they got blown out. But this was a really close game. Miami only lost by four points to um, the Boston Celtics. And it was, you know, at first it was looking nasty. This game was looking nasty at first. Boston was getting out in transition. Um, they were scoring points on the fast break. I think they had like 16 first quarter fast break points. Um so it was it was looking really nasty, and I think I think they got the lead up to I want to say fifteen in that first quarter. So you know your boy was your boy was kind of scratching his neck, man. You know, scratching his head, wondering what was going on. And uh, but Miami in the second quarter, they came out stronger and and they limited the fast break points. I think Boston only Boston had zero fast break points in the second quarter. And Miami did what they needed to do in that second quarter, and they got the lead down to, I believe it was five, going into halftime. And in the start of the third quarter, man, it, it just seemed like Boston went on another run. I thought Miami was going to come out after that that second quarter they had. Miami was going to come out, and they were going to, you know, put put their foot on, on Boston's neck. Like, this was the end of Boston's run. 
and, and Miami was going to do what they needed to do to win this game. And they did. <laughs> they did not. Uh, you know, so third quarter, you got Boston get out to another double-digit lead to start off the third quarter. Um, Miami crept back into the game. They they slowly crept back into the game. Then you had the fourth quarter where I think Boston went up by 10 again in the fourth quarter. And I even tweeted out, I was like, man, I don't know if we can come back from this. Like, this is this game might be over. And, and that was like maybe with maybe two to three minutes left in the game. And Miami, <laughs> lo and behold, they crept right back into it. And they cut it to a two-point lead with 17 seconds left. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh, man. You know, they stepped up on defense. They started they started getting to the basket, getting some some shots to go down. Um, I'm like, oh man, we could really we could win this we could win this thing. Maybe they they proved me wrong. We could win this thing. Um and then Jimmy Butler, man, with 17 seconds left, he takes a to me was an ill-advised three, right? It was a it was an ill-advised three. And I think he should have got to the basket and tried to draw a foul. Not necessarily trying to draw a foul, but, you know, get to the basket and uh, try to make the shot and draw the foul. And, you know, because you had Al Horford, who's already backpedaling. He's on his, you know, he's on his (laughs) on his on his uh, heels. So I believe Jimmy could have blown right past him and got to the basket. And I think that's what he should have did. But instead, he settled for a three. And I, I get it. He was probably he wanted to go for the win rather than the tie. Um, cause I think that would have put us 99 to 98 cause we're, yeah, it was 90, 98, 96. So if he would have made the three, it would have put us at 99. Um, and so, I mean, I get it, maybe not wanting to go into overtime, but I would have mother, I, I would have much rather, um, him put the ball back into Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's hands. Um, and we play defense with the game tied or potentially if he would have got to the line with the game with, with us up one. Um, and, and going into overtime, but once again, Jimmy Butler, you know, I I can't really critique or fault him in anything in that game because when the backs were against the wall, Jimmy Butler produced, he performed, he played amazing in game six, dropping like, I believe 40 something points, um, or 47 points, I think in game six. And then last night he played amazing again with 35, um, so he did what he needed to do, man. Like, I, I can't I can't really – that would be my only critique in that game of Jimmy Butler is just him taking that ill-advised three with 17 seconds left. So other than that, I can't really be mad at it. And I really, I really think that Jimmy Butler proved to a lot of people with this playoff series, even this playoff run, that Jimmy Butler is really him. Because before this playoff series, I you know I was telling people Jimmy Buck is gonna get right. Jimmy Buck is gonna get right. Not even not the playoff series, but before the playoff run, before the playoffs even happened, I was like Jimmy Butler's gonna get right. Jimmy Butler is him. Jimmy buckets, and and people you know they they had their their comments on it. Um, but I think after this playoff run, um, he has shown everybody that he's the real deal. I mean Jimmy Butler. What was his averages this this playoff or this playoff run? I don't know why I want to keep saying series. I guess just because the series just ended. Um, but this whole playoff run, I want to say Jimmy averaged somewhere around like thirty points a game. Okay, so it was twenty seven point four points a game um, in this playoff run. He shot thirty three point eight percent from three and fifty percent from fifty point six percent from the field. So like when you look at his overall stats, like 
if we go to the regular season, we see what he did in the regular season. He averaged 21.4 points in the regular season. He shot 23% from three, 48% from the field. In the playoffs, he killed that. Like, he, his numbers went up exponentially in the playoffs. 27.4 points per game, 33.8% from three, and 50.6% from the field. Like, he improved in every category, go, every scoring category going into or, you know, in the playoffs. So, he proves that he shows up in the playoffs. And granted, he had two games where he wasn't, you know, he didn't really play well. Um, and, I, I mean, it is what it is. He even will admit, like, he needed to play better in those games. So, he had those two games where he didn't play well. He had the one game where he missed the whole half. He didn't come back out after the, the first half. Um, and then in game – game I think it was four and five that's where he kind of shit the bed but then game five and six like I said earlier or game six and seven like I said earlier he he proved to people that he, he's he's a dog he's a dog and I, I hope everybody realizes that and I hope everybody has finally come to that conclusion that Jimmy Butler is him um Kyle Lowry kind of shit the bed um for the most part I mean there were there were stretches in there where he did some really good things um, caused some turnovers, played some really good defense on Jason Tatum. Uh, he hit a big three and a uh, and had a big uh, a big shot. Uh, it was a floater that he got fouled on by Jason Tatum down the stretch, and that that got us back in you know got us back into the game. So I mean he did some things down the stretch that were that were really good. But I mean he also did some things that were really ill advised throughout the game. And it's just like what are you doing? Like <laughs> go to the sideline, get your mind right, and then come back into the game. But, uh, you know, it, it was the role players that didn't show up, man. Bam did what he needed to do. I think he had, like, 23 or 25. You had Kyle Lowry, who had, like, 11 points on two for nine shooting, but he got to the line. Um, but it was the Max Struces, the Gabe Vincents, the – the I mean, Victor Oladipo played amazing defense last night on, on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. When he, was on the flo- when he was on the floor, he played amazing defense. Um, P.J. Tucker only played 17 minutes. He had a big old goose egg in those 17 minutes. Um, Tyler Hero played seven minutes, and he had a goose egg in those seven minutes. So it's it's players like that that did not show up for the Miami Heat. Um, Max Strews, he hit a big three down the stretch, but and that's what put us, I believe, within two. But it, it wasn't – he didn't really do much the whole game either. And, um, you know, to be fair, a lot of our threes got wiped away because of – because of uh, either offensive fouls or defensive fouls or, like, Struess stepped out of bounds when he shot a three. They didn't change that into, like, five minutes later. So, I mean, a lot of our threes got wiped away because of mishaps. Um, And I think we shot, like, 20% from three. We shot terrible. Like, even this whole series, uh, we shot terrible from three. I think it was somewhere around, like, 30%. Um, So that that was bad, man. That that was terrible. Um, But, like I said, I can't really – you know, I can't take nothing away from Miami's from Jimmy Butler, um, but the role players got to show up, man. The role players have to be better. This is the second year where Miami has made the playoffs, and Tyler Tyler Hero had an amazing year, but then his play just dropped off in the playoffs. He averaged twenty points per game this season, which led him to be the sixth man of the year. But in the playoffs, his like his his scoring dropped. I think he had like. Uh, I want to say he he averaged. Let me see. I'm I'm looking it up right now, but um, it, it wasn't nowhere close to the 20 points that he averaged in the regular season. He averaged 12.6 points in the playoffs. Now he every now and then he had a really good game, 
um, at least one good game a series. So, like, let me see. Against the against the Atlanta Hawks, he had a game where he scored 24. I mean, he had the game before where he scored 15, but he shot 25% from three. He had a game where he shot 24, where he got 24 points that, that game three against Atlanta. Um, and he shot 36% from three, 45% from the field. But then he backdoored that with a three-point game where he shot 12% from the field and 0% from three. And then the closeout game, he had 16 points, but he shot 0% from three. Now, this is a guy who shot around 30, I want to say almost 40% from three. He shot 39% from three, 39.9% from three in the regular season. And then in the postseason, he gave us 22.9% from three. So, you know, that has to change. We need more consistency from Tyler Hero in the playoffs. Um, so, and, and that's the sixth man of the year. That, like, that's the dude off the bench that can go get you a bucket. And we need him to do that in the playoffs and not, not you know, shrink in the playoffs, shrink in the moment. Um, we need him to be efficient and effective. So, you know, and shout out to my sister, man. I had her on the episode, I think it was last week or the week before last. And, you know, it was an episode where I was just giving her flowers. And then I asked her who does she think is going to win this series. And she legit said Boston was going to win the series. Now, granted, she is a homer. She lives in Boston. So, of course, she was going with the home team. But she did say Boston was going to win the series. And they won. She also said that the Warriors were going to win their series against Dallas. And they won. And um, But she did say that the Warriors will beat Boston in the NBA Finals. And that would give Steph Curry his fourth ring. So, that's crazy, man. If if her predictions come right, you know, I got to I got to come back on here and give her, her flowers if her prediction on Golden State winning the championship, you know, is right. Um, now, with Boston, I, I will say this. Um, I, I want to give Ime Yudoka his 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 flowers, man, because he had a phenomenal season as a first time head coach. Go black man. Go do what you got to do, man. Um, now it's great that they have a black coach and it's great that he has success, but I, I do have him losing to the, or have them losing to the Warriors. But, uh, but no, I, I do want to say he had a phenomenal year as a first time head coach. Um, and at the beginning of the year, we were very much so questioning Boston. Um, everybody was, everybody was questioning this Boston team. Um, Yudoka got them playing defense though. And we saw them pick up, you know, midway through the season. And we saw that team pick up and, you know, capture some magic and go on these runs. And they, they've had a beautiful playoff run. They swept the, the Brooklyn Nets. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks in seven. And then they beat the Miami Heat, the number one seeded in the Eastern Conference, in seven games in, a very, in two, very physical con- or two very physical series. Um, so, you know, you got to give them, you know, hats off to Boston. They, I don't think um, – so and the thing with Boston is like they don't they don't play a lot of smart basketball, but they I mean they do play some really good defense. Um, Robert Williams, if he's healthy, even if he's on one leg, Robert Williams is still a big factor um, as their their defensive anchor. Then you have the defensive player of the year and Marcus Smart. Now Marcus Smart flops his ass off, but so does Kyle Lowry. But I I just want to put out <laughs> put that out there. Marcus Smart flops his ass off, but. You know, you have two great players that you have your 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 point guard who plays some really good defense, and then you have your defensive anchor and Robert Williams, who man, the man will block shots all over the court. Um, and then you have Al Horford playing like he's 
20, 25 again. Um, you know, Al Horford was out there blocking shots, meeting people at the rim and blocking shots. So, you know, you, Boston does a lot of good things defensively. It's just sometimes I question their offensive ability, their offensive, um, their offensive game. Um, we saw them with a lot of turnovers. We also know that's Golden State's kryptonite as well is the turnovers. Um, we see that that's the same with Boston. They have they have a lot of turnovers. They don't make some smart decisions at times. And then you have Marcus Smart who thinks he's Steph Curry. And like last night he shot 22 times. I think he had the most, most shot attempts on the team last night. Um, he also had over, I believe, 10 threes last night. And that's, that's just crazy. Um, but you're going to need Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to show up at the same time. They have to be consistent. If they want to win this series against the, the Golden State Warriors, this team has to be consistent. That's one of the biggest issues I saw with them with this Miami Heat series. It's just consistency. Um, consistency, consistently giving the same effort night in and night out. Um, consist- they're consistently shooting. Um, they, ha- they have to do that against Golden State. Now, we've seen Boston play their best game. We haven't seen Golden State play their best game yet. And that's what's scary for me. And that's why I think Golden State wins this series is because we haven't seen them play their best brand of basketball yet. We've seen we've seen Boston Celtics play their best brand of basketball. And if they play that against the Golden State Warriors and the Golden State play their best brand of basketball, I have Golden State winning, but it's gonna be a really good series. But they but that's only if they both play a really good there if we if they both play their brand of basketball and it's consistent then we're going to have a really good series um but like I said I have the Warriors winning this this series I have them winning in six I'm not as disrespectful as everybody else is in saying that the Warriors are going to sweep them or they're going to win in, in five I think this goes six games I think Boston goes back to the I think the Warriors win at home but I think Boston goes back to the Garden. They defend home home uh, court as well, and then I think Golden State wins the next two after that. So I have I have them both defending home court in the first four games, and then I think Golden State wins two games. They go back to Chase Center because um, it starts off at Chase Center. Golden State starts off at home, um, but I have them going back to Chase Center, winning that game, and then I have them winning a game in Boston now. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if this went seven in Golden State because Golden State Golden State's known for giving teams a game. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven and Golden State tries to finish it on their home court. And the reason I say that as well is because this is the first playoff run that's gone through Chase Center. Um, they haven't they haven't made the playoffs since, you know, moving moving to their new arena. So what better way to end a Western Conference Finals than at home? But then what better way to win an NBA championship than at home, first time in your new arena in front of your rowdy ass home crowd. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened and this went seven and Golden State took it in seven at home. Um, or, I mean, I, I guess they could do five as well if you want to go that route. But um, but that just would mean that they would have to split in Boston, which is very they're very capable of doing. But I think Boston plays well at home. Um so you know that that'll that'll be surprising to see. Um, I, I I don't see Boston winning this series at all. Like I I, I don't think there's any way for me that I, I think Boston wins this series. And I could be wrong, you know. And if I am, then hold hold my feet to the fire. But I just don't see Boston coming out this series as the NBA champions. I think Golden State does that, and I think Clay 
Draymond and Steph capture their fourth ring, man. Like, I really can see that happening. But they're also going to need Jordan Poole to be more consistent as well because he wasn't really that great in the Western Conference Finals. So he's going to need to be the Jordan Poole that he was in the regular season and in the first two series against the Denver Nuggets and against the um, – the uh, who was the second series against? Damn, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, and against the Memphis Grizzlies, he's gonna he's gonna need to be special like that, and I think he's capable of doing that, and I think he'll he'll show a lot of things. Um, but man, that's all I have for y'all. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed the episode. It's a short one, short and sweet, but I hope y'all enjoyed the episode. Um, follow your boy on Twitter, share the podcast, do all of the above for your boy like i said we're trying to we're trying to get more eyes and ears on the drop balls podcast so please help a brother out and get this out there and i'm gonna get more consistent in dropping these episodes like i said my family was out here so i was just you know took a little hiatus but we're gonna we're gonna get back to it football season's right around the corner so you know we definitely gonna get into all that um and you know I think next week I'll talk about what Miami needs to do this offseason. I'm going to try to digest some things and, and look at the roster and how the roster is currently constructed and see what we need to do to address this offseason, as well as getting us some more, you know, some more weapons um, to help Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio out. But we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But, you know, until next time, man, y'all be easy. Have a have a great week. Hopefully, you know, this week is great and it goes by fast. And then we we'll right back at the weekend. But uh, y'all have a great week, and until next time, y'all be easy. Peace.